and embrace it and know that that is a part of you, right? And that is part of the formula, the equation, whatever, the, for the richness of you. Yeah. I think that's when people get to see, to, I always say, I, I really see you, right? When I really see you, yeah. right? that's when I know you've been vulnerable and transparent with me and you've let me see, right? When you're a hot mess or you go off or whatever, like that's cool. It's okay, sure. right? Mm -hmm. No judgment zone. I get it. Because we all gonna go off on somebody or feel that whatever, right? And so that's real. That's yeah. that's being that's our humanity. But Absolutely. to your point, we all come in to this world in light. We're all light. Yep. Right? When we're born, no one's saying I want to be a drug dealer, a user, uh, a neo-Nazi, a racist. No. As a baby, an infant. That's not part of who you are. It's not there. You no. are nothing but light. It's so amazing when you think about that. Sure. Then all those other things get poured into you. Yeah, I always say that we are, we are an epigenetic cell. Mm. Everybody, every human being is an epigenetic cell. And what that means is that as that epigenetic cell, you respond to your environment. It, that you, you, people say, oh, it's genetic. No, it's not, it's environmental. We know this, uh, the, 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 uh, nurture nature, right? Well, well, it's, it's even deeper than that because what, what people don't understand is that we, we led this illusion of the primacy of DNA that thinking that we are our DNA. And what we know is that if you take the DNA and you change its environment, the DNA changes. Mm. So it, we're not that it's the, it's the environment it's not the primacy of DNA. It's the environment. It's how, what you put into that environment. So if you take a shitty, um, person, you put them in a great environment, they can change. It mm. can happen. I worked mm. with street kids in Australia for years. And when I was first training and I, and I took these kids and we did great work with them and they transformed. It was wonderful. But then guess what we did? We let them go back into the streets. Went right back to where they were. And they became really good at being yeah. criminals. Yes. Because right? we taught them leadership. Yes. And it, because it's the environment. But if once when they weren't in that environment, they were amazing. And that's what they needed. It wasn't just the training, it's the environment. One without the other doesn't work. Yes, and that's one of the challenges, right, is, is when we pluck kids out and coach them up, but we don't change their circumstances, the environment, they're going to go right back. And what happens with the people that see you're transforming? Oh, I'm pulling you back. There's no way you're going to be that around me. I'm going to make it even more <clears throat> difficult for you. And what is the one fundamental thing we all want? We all want to belong somewhere. Of course. Right? So what are you going to do when you're there? I will conform. Right? I will. It's sure. because I don't want to be that outcast. I don't want to be that loner. No, because I know who gets preyed upon. So, so let's talk a little minute here about, <clears throat> about the crab in the bucket. Because, mm. you know, um, you and I come from these backgrounds. Uh, you know, you were abandoned by by your parents who were addicts, left to you and your siblings left to be brought up by your grandparents. You know, all that dark stuff around you. And you talked about that moment of wanting to, you know, go into the training and not not going to help with the guys with with the deal they were doing. 
while feeling that difference with inside of yourself, that's, you know, maybe a bit of a secret from your mates, but it's going on inside and maybe you're sharing it. Maybe you're sharing it with Miss Lane at that point, but it's going on inside of you. Can you talk to me about the crabs in the bucket or saying, no, no, you're one of us. Oh, dude, that was strong. That was strong. Oh man. They would hate on you. They would tell, Oh, you think you're better? Oh, you're acting like you're white. We got that a lot. Why are you talking so proper? You know where you come from, right? And so we would get these little offhanded slights that would always kind of lock your heels. Like you better check yourself. You know where you come from, right? Don't think you're better than, oh, you think you're better? Watch this. So someone would always kind of cut you at the knees just enough to check you. Yep. And I started realizing, you know, one of the things that when I was growing up, they played this game called the dozens, right? Where they would basically, you know, um, talk about your family, your mom, your dad, whatever, right? And everybody would do, and they thought it was very playful. Anytime that happened, Doug, I would always retreat because I wanted no one to talk about my family. And I never wanted to talk about anybody's family because I came from a whole crazy ass situation. So I didn't want to be exposed like that. So I always step back. So if someone attacked me that way, that really, really made me crumble. So I didn't want to in any way instigate that or incite that. But when people started seeing me have success, started seeing me getting accolade, they were calculating in the way that they would attack me. Of course. Look what you come from. You think you're better? You don't, nothing, you don't have this. Where's your mom? Where's your dad? So you'd get those little things. The only thing that protected me was my older brother was a big man as Mm -hmm. a boy. He was a big man as a boy. His nickname was Brutus in the neighborhood. Because from Popeye Brutus, he was a big kid. And so my brother was my protector, but he wasn't there always. So people would look to see when my brother wasn't around and they would always give me little slights Mm -hmm. to kind of check me. And they knew it would make me crumble because I wasn't that kid. I was a sensitive kid. Right. And I wanted to belong. I wanted to please. And so I started to realize, and I would tell these stories to Miss Lane. They said this about me. They said that. She was the one that would have to basically lift me back up and remind me, yeah, you are different. You are going to have a different path. You have to understand that people are going to attack you. So now how do you steal yourself for that, right? S-T-E-E-L, right? How do you steal yourself for that? And I started to understand more and more about how to gain my strength. And so a lot of that was through Miss Lane's affirmations, but also my success and people recognizing that they were outside of that circle. But I, oh man, I dealt with it a lot where people, oh, you think you're better? Oh, listen to you. No, look where you come from. Where's your mom? Where's your dad? So the crabs in the barrel thing was real for me. And I got this attitude later when I started to realize haters are my motivators. (laughs) So thank you for the motivation. Watch this. Right. And then I learned how to be very, very agile and nimble to basically navigate around that. Yeah, it's it's fascinating because uh, I've seen it at both ends. you know, uh, when I was a kid growing up in the, in the ghetto environment I grew up in, 
I heard that a lot. You think you're better than us. You think you're smarter than us. You, you know, all that stuff. And I heard it from my step stepmother. I heard it from people who were friends in the neighborhood, whatever it is. But it was fascinating because I was, I mean, I, I live in North America. I came here from Australia, but I was born in the UK. And in the UK, there's still a very strong class system. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, people would say, oh, you think you're better than us. You think you're one of them, meaning the upper class. But the upper class would say, you're Northern English. You don't know anything, mm -hmm. you know. And, and there was a, so it was like, here's your role, mate. You're allowed in this range. Stay and you're in your lane. Stay in your lane. Yeah, stay, stay in your lane. lane. Don't, think you're, don't think you're bigger than us. Don't think you're good enough for us. Mm -hmm. Well, then what the hell am I? Yes. Right? And that was one of the reasons I was like, I am getting out of this country. Yeah. Because it was like, I got to get away from this, this um, class mm. that's going on uh, because I didn't fit with it and I wanted to understand. But I, this, mm. this, and you know, one of my quotes is, we trade authenticity for approval. Come on now. Come on now. Right? Preach. That's loud. All the time. We, that's we loud, trade dude. authenticity for approval because, as you said, we so desperately really want to belong. Want to belong. And, and so this is why when I meet, uh, street kids or I meet those even criminal people. I'm like, you know, tell me the original story. And they go, what do you mean? Tell me how you end up on this road. Cause I'm betting this was not your road. I'm, and they go, yeah. Well, you know, and I, I, one of my uh, wife's relatives ended up down that path. And I said to him, I said to him, this is not your path. And he said, he told me to go screw myself mm -hmm. in a very mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> direct manner. Uh, go forth and go, yes, go, go forth, and, yes. go forth yes. and procreate with yourself. Yes. Um, and he's, you know, and he's, and, and, he, and I said, this is not your path. This is the path of a lonely boy. And somebody's put their arm around you, but the people putting their arm around you, it isn't an arm. It's a tentacle. Yeah. They will suck the life out of you. And he went down that road and he ended up in jail and all that dark stuff. But it's that desire, like it's so powerful. We are tribal. We yes. want to belong. We want, and this, I think, is the greatest challenge mm -hmm. is in this age of social media and differentiation. And, and we've got to have a brand and we've got to stand out, but we've got to fit in. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, your freaking head's going to explode. Yes. yes, especially when you don't have enough emotional intelligence to navigate it and understand it. Right. That's the thing, right? That there's the challenge, right? So we've got all these preteens and adolescents and teenagers trying to navigate a very complex world. And they're not equipped. No, adults not equipped, aren't yeah. equipped. Adults aren't equipped. Right. No, and you're asking them. And and exactly. it's really yet yeah, they are set up, right? So that's I'm not surprised by the unraveling of humanity. I'm not surprised. No. I'm not because we're not they're not they're not pre they're not prepared for it we're, we're evolved human beings you and I and look how how many years we have that we had to do the work so yeah, and, and still doing the work yeah and, right always in beta right we're always working on us we're always improving so imagine at that young age you're trying to navigate those things are so much more sophisticated than you are exactly and you think you know, right? Because that's part of being young, right? I know. I'm, I, you, what are you telling yeah. me? I know, right? You, <laughs> you're an idiot. You're, yeah, old, you're, you're an, an idiot. idiot. You are. You don't know. You don't, you don't know. But you right. swear you do. And right. then you've got that crazy combination of things. You're in trouble. And that's exactly. what's happening right now. And I love what you said, though, 
the idea of trading authenticity for approval. Isn't that the tension, our tension every day? Every day. Every day, day, regardless of your age. It's always what we're facing. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating. I love that. Now, when you said that, literally, I went, oh, that was a light bulb for me. Mm -hmm. Loud. It was so loud. Right. Our verbiage may be different, but I get it. Like I got it so clearly. That was such a loud thing you said. And I went, that's right. So how do we actually wake up knowing that's our foe? If that's who we're competing with every day. Well, as you said, authenticity and approval, right? But as you said, this is the this is the this is the tightrope. This is the line we walk every day. Every day, every day, you that, and right? you will fall. And this is oh, absolutely thing. you're gonna fall. And, and the only thing you can do is is realize you fell because this it's not just falling, but it's falling and going, oh shit, I'm on the side of approval. Yeah. I got to get back on the line. And as I, as as somebody who trains leaders, I always say, your job is not to build a wider wall Mm-mm. to to allow more people on it. The, your job is to build a narrow wall to push people off it. Yeah. Because you have to learn how to walk that tightrope, and you have to encourage people to decide which line of the line they're on. Yes. That's it. As yeah. a leader, your job is to get people to trade to to stop trading their authenticity for approval, to choose their authenticity. Because leaders create leaders. Yes. They don't create followers. No. 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 They. Tr- that is. Therein lies the rub, if you will. Right. Mm-hmm. Leaders do not create followers. Leaders create leaders because that's the gift you're giving them is I'm going to raise you up. And I think that's where a lot of people get that. They mis- mistake that. Yeah, that I mean, I'm trying to create a legion of followers. Nah, dude, that's not what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be creating a legion of leaders. Yes. Because that's your legacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Now you, you know, we were talking about, you know, you growing up and then wanting to go play ball and then you ended up being an athlete. Um, but there's a, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a massive journey here because there's, you know, you're, you're abandoned by your parents, you're brought up by your grandparents, but really you are parented at a, at a higher level by Miss Lane. Then, then you, you know, you become, you become an athlete, you go off to university uh, you end up uh, in the military for 10 years, uh, and then you become military intelligence, and then you end up um, doing athletics training and working with Nike. I mean, that, you know, I don't meet too many people who've got, a, who've got a, long, a resume that's as long or longer than mine or as weird and wonderful as mm. mine. You would definitely be in that bracket, mate. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. <laughs> People often say, uh, "How old are you, Dove? 147." Yeah, exactly. And, and holding. It is with, oh, no doubt. Same with you, right? No and, doubt. No like, doubt. I, how I, could you do this shit in that amount of time? And the fact <laughs> that you also look about 36 helps. Right? No doubt, that, dude. That black no don't crack shit. It's not working for me. No, dude. As a I white guy. Special, I got some special lotion, dude. I said Exactly. You so. And whatever it is, I would like a bucket of it because I want to bathe in it. <laughs> right? Because when people start trying to do the math, Doug, they go, wait a minute. This, yeah. what? And then wait. That, that, no. Right? And so I tell people all the time that your inside is reflected on your outside. Yeah. 
right? And so I know I'm young at heart mm -hmm. and, and the way I show up is with that energy. And so that's what people are, are sensing and feeling. And then yeah. I get to be able to then share this wisdom, right, of experiences. And it's so funny when you were talking about how I was raised. So Miss Lane was important, but all those other people in my neighborhood raised me too. Sure. Right? So drug dealers and users, war veterans and workers, parents of other friends, all these people poured into me. Yeah. So I started to understand I was this mosaic of many people. Mm -hmm. But when I decided to go in the military, I had become a young father. I was 20 years old. My first son was born with my girlfriend then. I left school because I had my grandparents' values. I need to provide. So I mm -hmm. leave school the first term of my junior year. And I'm home. And Dove, when we talk about that dark, so this is what's going on. I'm working at a toy store back in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Like, dude, I can run some game on this. People want toys. Christmas is coming up. So I start talking to my grimy friends. I'm like, yo, dude, let's run our own little shop. I love it, Kev. What are we doing? I said, you get me orders. I'll fill them. My manager is a cokehead, so I ain't got to worry about him. He's not paying attention. I'll put them in the dumpster. You swing by and grab them every night. So I worked the midnight shift because I was stocking the shelves. And literally, Doug, I'm filling up dumpsters with toys. My boys are grabbing them. I'm riding home with two bags, no hands on my bike with bags of toys. And I get home one night and I go, what are you doing? Mm. You're just in college. And now you're smoke, you know, smoking blunts, drinking 40s, stealing. You were just in college in AP English. What are you doing? And I literally had this moment by myself on a Sunday night, just sitting there thinking about it. Like I'm heading down the path that they want me to be in. Cause Kev, you cool, you down with us. And I went, no, I'm more than this. Didn't tell anyone that Monday morning I got up, I went down to the recruiting service for the military, walked past every branch and went to the air force. Cause my uncle was in the air force. And he always was smiling in his uniform. So I said, it must be good. My Uncle Bobby's happy. So I went right to the Air Force. I said, what will get me out of here the fastest? And they literally said, are you in trouble? I said, nope, I'm not in trouble. I need to go. I take the test. I school really high on the test. Now they say, oh, we've got an intelligent person who wants to go. We're going to send you and we'll figure it out once you get at, at basic training. When I got to basic training, I took a bunch of tests and they discovered that I had a language ability. And mind you, Dub, I dropped Spanish after five minutes in high school. I thought it was ridiculous. And still know that five minutes. I still remember that five minutes of class. So I had a gift, but I didn't know it. The military identified it, sent me to language school in Monterey, California, and I learned Serbo-Croatian was my first language. Then I learned Czech, was stationed in Germany. I learned German. I can read Russian. And I worked in military intelligence. I worked at NSA, right? So I was Blackborn before the born identity came out, dude. I was Blackborn. Yes. And I was doing this for 10 years. I taught Czech at a secure service place. I mean, I did all these things, but I was this Black kid from that neighborhood 
just outside Philadelphia, top secret clearance, like high, high level clearance from the neighborhood. I got that clearance. Why? Because of choices and decisions I made that could have hemmed me up. I wouldn't have never got that clearance. So you think about all those choices way, way back that end up playing out. And I get that, to, you know, that work in the military for 10 years, get my undergraduate degree while I'm in the military in sports medicine and communications. And then that's what gets me as a physio and athletic trainer. I'm doing that while I'm in the military. I'm actually right. working for armed forces sports. I'm actually traveling around getting orders from the Pentagon to go to sports events and treating the athletes from every branch. Cause I'm the only certified athletic trainer in any branch of the service. Wow. So I'm getting orders from the Pentagon to go to the boxing tournament, track and field, softball tournament, flag football. Yeah. And I'm treating all the athletes, but I also have a top secret clearance and I'm teaching check. So NSA, you know, um, I mean, obviously, first of all, I mean, it's, I guess there's a million questions going on here, but first of all is, um, I wonder why check, because, you know, the, um, for people who don't know. Or wonder uh, why serbo-Croatian first. Yeah, well, even though those things, I mean, I, I, I personally can get serbo-Croatian, I can get that, uh, and I'll come back to that in a minute, but check, I'm going, okay, well, uh, Czechoslovakia was taken on by Russia. It was yes. it was annexed in in the Cold. And this War. is the eighties and nineties. So I'm in right. So that's and 90s, what, So it's everything's happening then. Right. So that's what I'm figuring it's to do with that because yeah. because it's been annexed by Russia. Later on, they come out and they become the Czech Republic, not yes. Czechoslovakia, and, and Serbo-Croatian. I am understanding because of when you said it was because under um, Clinton. You know, there was more bombs dropped in Croatia than at any uh, any other single event in history uh, by the Clinton administration. People don't know that about Bill Clinton, but more bombs in a single day than in history on mm. that day because of what was going on in Serbia and with the Croatians and, and the, uh, I'm trying to remember his name, the leader there who was a lunatic. Um, oh, I'm trying to think who was in there then. Tito was already gone. No, Tito. T yeah, Tito was no. Tito was early because yeah, because I was out by the time all those things were happening because I got out in '90. But everything started happening. Their civil war started early '90s. Right. So I could see all that's going on under the under the under the covers. When you look at all that um, now outside, and and you know, you can tell me piss off I don't want to talk about it that's all right do you see that 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 shit differently than you used to do because for me I, I have all I mean I used to have a naval intelligence guy who was feeding me information uh, in the 80s and I was actually talking about stuff in 88 um, uh, about military intelligence the stuff that was going on um, and um, the war was economics and how it was economics and how it was being worked. And now the shit they're talking about with Russia doing, um, uh, with the American elections, America's done that in South America. It did it in, in Europe. It did it in all kinds of countries. People have no idea because the U S is good, you know, cause again, there's only good and there's only bad. Yes. No, there's not. When you look at those things now and you think about yourself, cause you know, you talked about growing up in the hood, Doing shit that was 
you know, now you can see, or maybe you wait, yeah. got to a point where you could see, do we, when you look back at that part of your life in the military and being part of NSA and all that, do you, do you look at that less black and white and more gray and nebulous now? Yeah, I would say, but when I'm 20 years old, right, I'm 20 years old, you're paying me, you yep. schooled me, you've educated me, I, I, I'm just thinking I'm just doing this job. And literally, we are, so this is post-Vietnam, mm -hmm. only a few years post-Vietnam. Sure. Right? So the military is very different then. Mm -hmm. So they're still openly smoking weed, right? And, and just acting up and just kind of like that same, it's still that same Vietnam kind of era, right? Where you're treated very differently. You're doing a job, but you're not really thinking of it in this way that, oh, what are the ramifications? What are the implications of what I'm doing? You're just doing this job. I'm 20 years old. Now, when I looked back when I got out and I went, holy shit, mm -hmm. I had top secret clearance, right? I'm stashing weed, right? I'm doing like, I'm like, what in the world was I thinking? How we were behaving, but we were treated differently because of our skill. Mm -hmm. There were very few people who could learn a language right. and do what we did. So we were treated differently. And so we weren't really behaving. We were almost like an outpost of the military. We weren't the military. Right. So much as you are specialists within what we're doing here. And we treat you that way because we know we have to retain you because mm. we, the amount of money we spent to train you and educate right. you and to find someone else with your skills is going to be very difficult. So right. they actually allowed us a lot more leeway to have a life. So you never really felt that same heavy mm -hmm. of what am I doing? What are the implications? What are the ramifications of what I'm doing? And then when I got out, right? Because it was this, I really felt like it was this, this age of innocence for me for that 10 years, because mm -hmm. I was trying to get my degree. Yeah. I was trying to raise a family. I was trying to play ball over in Germany, soccer, right? I'm, these are all my goals. It wasn't, I'm trying to keep America, right? You know, safe. And I wasn't even thinking that way. No, I wasn't. And we would make jokes. Duh, we would make jokes because we would have this idea, we would say, in God we trust, all others we monitor, and we would laugh. <laughs> so close. Wow. Right? Yeah. And we would laugh about it. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't even where it felt like it was this heavy, real, like, wow, you're, you're fighting for life, liberty, no. and the pursuit. And now I look back, and I'm like, what a crazy 10 years of my life. And I had friends who stayed 20 plus years. Sure. That, right. And then they saw me go on to do what I did. And I just think about, you know, that was, it, it just feels like a chapter. It doesn't feel like something that really, it was formative for me, but it wasn't the, it wasn't a pinnacle. It was a no. moment. Right. And so I just, I don't ever really look back at it in a way where, Ooh, what was I doing? And, Am I the cause of, and did I? Because right. so much of what we were doing then, 
it felt more preventative versus instigating and creating something. Right. Because it was the Cold War, but there were no wars going on. No. 80 to 90, right? It was it was pretty, pretty peaceful. It was pretty peaceful. Mm -hmm. So when I got out, everything started to basically ratchet up. So I would imagine friends of mine who stayed in probably have a different perspective. But I was living in a fairly kind of even keel time, right? It was spy versus spy. Everybody was just kind of monitoring each other, right? Yeah. And just watching, right? But, so, but, yeah, it, but, I, it's yeah. a, but it's a beautiful background for a screenplay because you've got this, this gangster kid from Philly, outside of Philly, you know, who, who, uh, who has his own personal Yoda, who, who, who is nicking stuff from, from, from the, right? from the toy, toy store, on, goes, goes to college, then goes, joins the military, gets NSA clearance, speaks five languages, and is playing sports. So, oh, now you see, he's learned all the wiles of, of, the, of Philadelphia. Now he's got the NSA training. And now he's playing sports, so we can send him in to play the game in this city. But while he's there, he's going to carry on this hit. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> it's right? Like, it's like, it's, it, why hasn't there been, been, oh, wait, it is. It's board, it's the board series. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? That's the Black Bourne. There it is. Not that, but, but you know what? When you just kind of rolled that out, I was just laughing to myself. Like, people won't believe that. Like, so mm -hmm. unbelievable.